The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome back everyone, we're back with Tales of the Wrestling Tapes, and I'm your host Eric Brown, we're back again with Money in the Bank. We're not talking about the full show, we're talking about one specific match, Roman Reigns versus Edge. The long-awaited match that we were supposed to get at WrestleMania, but then Daddy wanted to give Daniel Bryan his opportunity to have a WrestleMania main event because... I don't know, honestly. I, I'm still trying to figure that out. But it was still a great match on that. But, yeah, this storyline has been something we wanted to see for a while. And now with Roman Reigns being as over as humanly possible because, well, it's, it's, it's Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. And Edge is now back to being a face for unexplained reasons. Because th that's the thing I did have a negative Nancy with. Because I was like, Edge comes back, he's sadistic, crazy, then he acts all like a face. And, and I'm thinking... Wait, why is he a face all of a sudden? Because he, he was a heel, and now he's back to being a face after he almost tried to kill Brian and Roman and successfully concertoed Brian out of existence. So, until Roman finished the job. And Roman then goes ahead and makes a promo cutting, saying that, I'm gonna smash you. I'm gonna stack you, which he fulfilled at WrestleMania, which was a nice detail they did, where he stacked both Edge and Brian on top of him, and he pinned them both in definitive fashion. Yay, awesome moment. They even made a shirt dedicated to it, so that's selling well, I think, on the on the WWE shop. So kudos to them there for getting it right. Like I said, uh, as much as I love AEW and and all these other promotions with their Forbidden Door saga, I also do think Roman Reigns is an example that if WWE was allowed to themselves to try more with all their roster, they gave them this kind of effort with Roman and the other, we probably wouldn't need an AEW to come around because then a lot of people would be doing pretty damn well on the shows and the content would be much better i'm like there would still be push issues because you can't have everyone on the show but at least they'd be trying more on that but like i like some people like to say when WWE really tries they can be the best in the world at what they do i know not a, not a popular opinion but it's my opinion so this is an example of when WWE allows themselves to be the best at what they do but they only do it for roman because Oh, God, because WWE has a blatant favoritism issue. 
uh, even when they try to erase him from history because how dare he walk out on them because of the pandemic. But Roman and Edge had a very good feud going on for them for the la for the next couple of weeks when he made his comeback, where he reflects on what he had done. He doesn't talk about Daniel Bryan because according to the WWE canon, D Daniel Bryan no longer exists unless Roman and Paul Heyman say so, in which case then it's perfectly all right. So, yeah. And Roman and Roman and, and Edge go ahead and cut back and forth promos. They're pretty spicy. And Roman admits that he had some delusion of fear in his eyes when it looked like his time was about to slip away. Well, and like it's a triple threat match. That's, that's a guaranteed issue to be concerned about. And Edge looked like he was going to win it that one time. But instead of submitting, he instead smashed them and stacked them, securing his place at the top of the food chain. Oh, yeah. So Roman Reigns succeeds on that front and subsequently designs more plans to go ahead and, and become more and more of a champion on that front. But <laughs> then Edge goes ahead and vows to break Roman, break the family, because during the whole thing, Jimmy Uso has been now taking the place of Jey Uso for a while as Roman's servant. And there was a controversy that broke out between with Jimmy Uso because he got DUI for the fourth time and WWE was not taking any punishment requirements. I mean, okay, they said, okay, rumors were, reports were coming out that WWE was just gonna put it under the shut, under the table, not gonna bring it up. We can't bring up Jay, Jimmy Uso's scandal because that will affect Jay and that will affect Roman and we need to have that story. And I'm that guy thinking like, I, I think you could have you could have it all. You you can make it work without Jimmy because you made it work before. Why can't you make it work now? Because in my humble opinion, I feel like Jay is in a position now where he could become IC champion. I really think that he could challenge Apollo Cruz, become IC champion at SummerSlam, um, and and have the title around him. He can have the title. He can run with it. I feel like Jay can run with it. You don't need Jimmy what for this. You could have him be, be, be getting the help he needs that he so desperately needs, and Naomi can, you know, not deal with fans going ahead and blaming her for Jimmy's mistakes because there is no evidence to back that up that Naomi has a role in this, other than you know being the wife trying to help him. But, like, we have no evidence to back that she's manipulating events and getting him in trouble and cons making him eat his, drink his demons. And I'm like that guy who's like, uh, uh, you have no evidence. There, there's no proof. If WWE, and I'm, I'm pretty certain they're not going to prove it. I, I'm pretty sure they're not proving it because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there's no proof to it. So unless you can find evidence to suggest that, and that means being very invasive, so no doing that. But um, yeah, there's no proof or evidence to suggest that Naomi's the cause for Jimmy's mistakes. So far, it looks like Jimmy Uso is the one causing the mistakes because this is his fourth DUI. And I think this happened before he got married, or at least twice. At least I think, I, I don't know. I don't really go much into the wrestlers' personal lives unless they show it on TV. And I was also worried that they would bring it up on TV because, you know, WWE likes to exploit Jeff Hardy's addictions when he recently had a relapse. So, 
Yeah, that didn't help much. Yeah. So, Roman Reigns has gone ahead and decided to clean up Jimmy Uso's mess and reunite the family. And here's the thing I did point out, I pointed out on Twitter. I pointed out on Twitter that, you know, there's something very familiar about all this stuff. We're Roman hugging the Usos, reuniting the family once more, or in the face of the SmackDown roster coming against them. I was thinking, wait, isn't Roman Reigns' idol Bret Hart? Yeah, I rewatched the Bret Hart reuniting his family in 97 with the Hart Foundation with Owen Hart and British Bulldog and it kind of mirrors it. Like I was going to say that Bret Hart's segment was better because um, they go more personal in their matters and Roman Reigns is just like, we can dominate, we can take over the world, join me and together we can rule the galaxy as tribal chief bloodline and whatnot and they hug it out but Jim but Bret Hart's is more personal he goes ahead and brings up how he's been there for British Bulldog he's been there for Owen Hart and I was thinking to myself you know I think Roman wanted to do this he wanted to have his own kind of Bret Hart moment when they all turned heel and formed reformed the Hart Foundation I think the other thing that was missing is the fact that they didn't have a full-fledged match or a match going on and then Roman Reigns breaks it up I feel like that's something that was also missing, but that that's just me. But the and the thing I also noticed that Roman and Bret Hart give kind of the same expression of of this dark melancholy. Uh, oh god, this dark moody atmosphere to it. I feel like they had the same expression on their face. I actually thought that was pretty good. So they reunite their respective families and are ready to take over the wrestling business. Or the WWE because WWE doesn't like to acknowledge any other company unless it's out of business. Or they're not much of a threat to them. Or they're not a threat to their established quo. Uh, and sure enough, Edge seeks out to dismantle the group along with the Mysterios because they're at war with the Bloodline. Leading to a six-man tag team match between in the, Uso, the Bloodline and, the, and Edge and the Mysterios. And Roman Reigns and his team get the victory on them, and Edge goes ahead and tortures Roman, and Roman taps out. Much to everyone, much to Roman Reigns' obvious frustration, as Paul Heyman continues to show gasp and storytelling elements of horror. Oh god, it's so fun. He, he, it's just so fun. Like this is the best thing Roman has ever needed. Paul Heyman working with him, the cutthroat skills on the mic. And what happened after Money in the Bank? Oh, that's going to be more interesting. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, <clears throat> as I was going ahead and saying, this whole debacle heading into this match is based on that fact that Edge almost beat Roman. So, they used the chair, chair thing that happened. I'm pretty sure that was all an accident. So, they were like, okay, let's just make it a thing. And this leads into, honestly, I'm going to say, they kind of, I'm not saying they were, they were going for, in terms of the wrestling style, but in terms of length, a New Japan length matchup. This match lasted for 33 minutes, but it's more slow paced, like trying to build itself up to high moments. And the crowd is just so invested in this match. The crowd is really invested in this. 
I'm really loving this this crowd again. Like I'm glad the crowd's back. I'm hoping all safety precautions are taken and the pandemic is further further killed off in its way and we'll never see it again. Unless something else happens, and in which case we're all screwed. Um but the crowd is now cheering for Roman. They're saying, let's go, Roman, let's go, Edge. Let's go, Roman, let's go, Edge. Let's go, Roman, let's go, Edge. And Roman just seems confused. Like, he can't imagine it. Because, and you kind of understand that point because Roman Reigns for a long time was booed after his run with the Shield. And when he came back after his hernia injury, yeah, and, and like I said, there was a time when Roman being a face, he was cheered, and this was after the Shield, but then when the hernia injury happened, they had to rush everything, and and Roman, Roman's push came at the wrong place at the wrong time, and even made worse when Daniel Bryan came back. And while I still stand by the idea that Bryan should not have won, shouldn't win the Royal Rumble of that year following after his return, because he had just come back from neck surgery, which means you've got to count that Brock Lesnar is a wrestler that does German suplexes on the neck, you kind of have to be like, oh, we don't want to do that. No matter how tempting WWE might be of that idea at the time, but because they have this weird weird thing to this weird fetish to go ahead and like have the heel target the injured area of a recently repaired repaired thing so yeah it's just it's just that but yeah this match is a very slow paced story it's telling it's roman and edge trying to duke it out Roman with his strength, Edge with his strength, but Edge realizes he has to be a little bit speed and, and tentacle with it because Roman's more brawler base and has more muscle with him and especially age with age and especially he's younger and therefore he has more advantage and since Edge has been out of the game for nine years and now going on out of the game for nine years and then after he got injured with his torn muscle, um, he had to wait another year. He had to be gone for another year. So he has a 10-year window of no time, whereas Roman has a lot of time on him. So Edge has to use his experience to his advantage, technical wrestling and speed in order to counteract Roman's brute strength and raw power. And th this match was this match was awesome. Like, and and there were times you really thought that, like, and I was like always worried about Edge getting hurt, but yeah. During and Edge, Edge get, delivers everything. He delivers everything to this. He and Roman tore the house down this match. And as this match kept going and going and going, and Edge gets the cross face with the with the with the chair chairs with the chair pipe that he takes from that Roman tries to use on him, but Edge manages to avoid. Uh. The Usos come out to try and help because they won the tag team titles on the kickoff. But but the Mysterios save the day and Roman starts to tap, but there's no rep. So yeah, Roman manages to escape it, but everyone's out. Everyone's down and out. Out the ref gets knocked down, and and Roman's taking this opportunity to risk disqualification, but beat the holy hell out of him. Uh, <laughs> Because, and we got Spear galore on this because, oh god, that was insane. It's just freaking awesome matchup here. And I'm gonna be, and Daniel Bryan was right. They didn't need him. Roman and Edge didn't need Bryan. Yeah.
So I'm surprised they didn't try to do a concerto moment on this, like they did at WrestleMania and what they did with Roman versus Brian. It, it's honestly amazing they didn't do that. So Roman and Brian tear the Roman and Edge tore the house down, and then when when Edge is able, it looks like he's gonna win. Looks like has a chance at winning by keeping Roman in submission, and he just needs to wait for a referee to come out, out and make the call. Oh, Seth Rollins, the dastardly bastard that he is, comes out and kicks Edge in the head. Much to my worry on that front, but still. And Seth Rollins departs, thinking he had his job done. Roman goes ahead, tries to finish him off. Edge spears him, tries to go for, and they go for covers on each other at one point, and. There's no Rev. And then a Rev comes out when Ed Spears Roman. We get a one, two, and no, it's too late. Roman had enough energy to kick out. But there was a little bit of a botch there. Roman kicked out early when Edge attempted the pinfall, and there was no Rev, so yeah, that was awkward. Yeah. And the and the ref arriving a little bit later than typically expected, but uh yeah, that happened. And then Seth Rollins, realizing he still needs to con inflict more damage because he lost money in the bank um, to Big E, which was uh, I'll talk, uh, which was an awesome match as well, uh, comes back out to take out Edge, but Edge stops, t does a big boot to him, but Roman spears him, and one, two, three, Roman Reigns retains the Universal Championship. And... Edge and Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins confronts Roman Reigns and says, I'm next in line. I'm next in line. And before Seth Rollins and Roman could do anything or lead to some temporary alliance to take down Edge again, Edge tackles Seth and beats the hell out of him and they brawl into the crowd. And then Roman Reigns gets on the microphone after Paul Heyman hands it to him when he goes all... Now the whole world can acknowledge me. And before anyone cut, before he says anything else or ends the show there, we get the do 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 And Jones, and his name is John Cena. He comes down, he's absolutely crazed with the crowd erupting in joy, and Cena gets in Reigns' face, and then Roman Reigns is just staring impassively at him, and then Cena just goes in and does, Okay, mate! Much to Roman's annoyance, and then poses with the crowd and ends the show on a cliffhanger. So WWE probably looked at Slammiversary and was like, We need to end on a cliffhanger. So, yeah, that happened. I'm excited. We got John Cena versus Roman set for SummerSlam, obviously. John Cena set for a promo on Monday Night Raw, not SmackDown. So, they're clearly trying their, their best to sell tickets, probably, instead of just letting Cena be on SmackDown. But, the, okay, there's a nitpick I want to make about this. Part of me kind of was mad at John Cena's return because... This only invalidates his loss to Bray Wyatt to an extent. Because here's the thing. If it was just Bray Wyatt, The Fiend versus Cena in a regular match and The Fiend kicked his ass and won, fine. But 
here's the thing. They instead have Cena be in a firefight funhouse match, be teleported into another dimension, and probably be psychologically tortured for eons and eons, when really it's just a year, and no explanation yet. I'm pretty sure we're going to get an explanation on Monday Night Raw, but uh, hopefully, or Bray Wyatt comes back and they redo the match and Cena defeats him because of course they would do that, but it just feels weird to not have Cena be different. I mean, really look at it from, uh, from the story of Bray Wyatt, the Fiend character standpoint. Now, be, now, this isn't me saying it. This is WWE that said it. So when WWE, when the Fiend beat Finn Balor, Finn Balor came back and he turned into the Prince from his old NXT days. I mean, from his old New Japan days when he formed Bullet Club, where he starts saying, my future will be my past. And whatnot, saying he's the Prince again. But we never get an explanation why he suddenly came to this. It's just left ambiguous why it was like that. And people started speculating when he, when Bray Wyatt defeated Brian and The Miz, and they started reverting to their past selves. Brian more so turning into a hybrid of the American Dragon and the Yes Movement. So there's that. But we didn't get a confirmation with this until when Braun Strowman was feuding with him. And after the Swamp match, Braun Strowman came back and told Alexa Bliss, who also was a victim of Bray Wyatt's powers, Beak said, Everyone. Who comes in contact with the fiend changes so this isn't us making hope hopeful lore information wwe publicly stated whoever fights the fiend or comes in contact with him will change seth rollins changed finn balor changed the miz changed alexa bliss changed into a way that a lot of people are starting to hate more and more uh braun Strowman changed Randy Orton now has changed into a bro-man with, has now a bromance relationship with Matt Riddle, which is kind of hilarious and telling. So they clearly established that everyone changes when they fight the Fiend or have an encounter with the Fiend, but John Cena still looks the same. That, that's kind of an issue because this further shows that we even when they said it, they still were like, uh... How does this character work? Even when Bray Wyatt probably explained to them a billion freaking times and they still are not getting it. Like they try they're trying to do with Alexa Bliss, but like I'm like thinking it's like they watch what Bray Wyatt did, but didn't really get why Bray Wyatt did it. Alexa Bliss, like when they finally had a chance to do Alexa Bliss with the Fiend type persona right, they didn't. They had her go after Shayna instead of Nia because she has a history with Nia. She doesn't have a history with Shayna. So, yeah, that, that that's still confusing. So, yeah, it, it kind of further makes Bray Wyatt's character look weaker on the side, which annoys me because... This is like WWE further contributing to Bray Wyatt's problems with, with WWE, it seems. Like, even Vince Russo thinks that WWE intentionally makes it harder for Bray Wyatt to get over because he's better than the creative department. And by that, I mean Bray Wyatt's better than Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn and John Dornitis. Nick Khan's probably still a threat, but still. So, yeah, that's just my nitpick on that. And my explanation of why I have such a nitpick with it. But 
to see John Cena versus Roman, now they're they're gonna knock it out of the park. I really believe that. They're gonna knock it out of the park, they're gonna kill it, and I can't wait for when they do the mic, when they do their mic stuff, because that's gonna be, oh boy. There is something I've been hoping Roman says to Cena in reference to their first encounter on the contract signing moment, where Roman Reigns stuns the audience and by extension Cena, and then Roman says this when Cena hesitates to say something, saying this. It's called a promo, old man, and if you want to be the 17-time champ, you're going to have to learn how to sell it to these people. Could you imagine if Roman says that? If Roman says that, on live television and says it to Cena, the guy who's been at this for a long time, it's gonna stun people. It's gonna say, well, nope, he's dead. Cena's dead. We called it, we call it. Cena's been dead. He's killed. Like, there's no way he can recover from this after that in terms of the segment because Roman wins. Roman wins that. He not only references the incident from last time that he had their contract signing moment, he he goes ahead and shows that he has really improved in the last four years, and he also continues to show that he's a cutthroat madman. So, yeah, he wins there. <laughs> That's just a dream scenario. I'm really hoping WWE, if they even watch my video podcast and whatnot, that they listen to this, but... <laughs> It's just the hopeful thing I'm hoping for, but uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have to see where that goes down the line. But yeah, oh man, that's just so fun. But yeah, those are my overall, uh, overall discussion on Tales of the Wrestling Tapes, talking about Edge versus Roman Reigns, along with all the other stuff that happened in the fallout that surrounds the epic saga of the Tribal Chief. Like, I'll say it, I feel like outside of WWE, the Forbidden Door Saga is the best thing going, and in WWE, Roman Reigns', is, Roman Reigns is Tribal Chief Epic is the best thing going. They're both the best things going in wrestling today, in my opinion. Disagree with me? Fine. But that's just my opinion, and I'm not going to stop with that. So, this was Tales of the Wrestling Tapes, hosted by Eric Brown. Feel free to check out my other content, and also be sure to donate to the brand and everything. I'll see y'all next time for the next episode. Oh, we'll see y'all next time. Take care, everyone. Have a good day, and stay safe. Be sure to donate to the brand, and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.